All right, hello everyone. Welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Wealth Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Peter Wesley Salmon, up here in the Ottawa, but still repping for Guelph. Missing y'all, hope you're doing good down there. <laughs> I didn't know they put a the in front of Ottawa now. <laughs> is, that, is that what we're doing, the Ottawa? What about what about Ottawa? The, the Ottawa. You said the yeah, Ottawa. Because it's the Ottawa, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, it's very formal. Um... But anyway, happy uh, belated Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, Hope everyone had a good weekend and good turkey or however you celebrate. Uh, A lot of, we were talking before recording, a lot of bad news on the news. So um, hopefully that, that didn't ruin anybody's uh, celebratory weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you still enjoyed the turkey or the ham, whatever you had. Chicken, I guess some people have chickens. The chicken? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's get to the show. End credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies. But this week will be the new action sequel, The Equalizer 3, which you can probably still find in a theater near you, depending on where you are. But it is more conveniently available right now on premium VOD. That is going to be in the back half of the show. For the first half, we are going to... Uh, actually review four short films. Uh, we don't really get into the realm of the shorts too often here, um, but that is where some interesting filmmaking does take place. Um, I know I enjoy, like, when I am able to go to a film festival, the shorts programs, those are usually um, very enjoyable, and also kind of low attendance because people tend to overlook the shorts. Um, but... Oh, yeah, absolutely. People just... Uh ignore them i'm not gonna lie i've seen every wes anderson feature film directed but this is my first time really checking out his shorts but uh, i gotta get back into that they're just not like they're not as presented on streaming services you didn't see hotel cavalier that see that i don't think that counts because it. you don't think that counts no because the majority of darjeeling limited especially if you just watch it now on dvd or blu-ray it's going to be attached to it but uh, if that counts, then yeah, I have seen actually. I've seen prior <laughs> Wes Anderson shorts. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. We are talking about the new Wes Anderson Raw Dole shorts. Um, but I do remember watching Darjeeling Limited at the bookshelf and they showed Hotel Cavalier before it. Really? No, see, I think I watched it for the first time on one, um, DVD. So no, I didn't encounter that, but good on the bookshelf. Yeah, that was interesting. Um. The other famous sort of like example, like tie-in I can think of is the the Watchmen. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but there's this like pirate story that is throughout. Oh, the intertwined comic. with it. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, it's and it's, it's in the director's cut. It's like a whole yeah. part of it intertwined. Yeah, it's in the graphic novel, um, and then Zack Snyder did an animated version that was separate from the movie. Um, but then in the director's cut of the movie, he put it back in. Yeah, yeah. Even even back then, he he loves his director's cut, and you can say what you oh, want man. about him, or even like whether you enjoy them. But they're but they're good. He he knows how to uh, reform it into exactly what he <laughs> desired. <laughs> I I'm not even sure he knows what he desires. Like this is 
like Rebel Moon comes out later this year, but it just you know we'll have to get back to Rebel Doll on a sec. But the the, the Rebel Moon thing, um, where it's announced, first of all, it's he pitches it as a Star Wars movie, takes it back, makes it his mm-hmm. own thing, makes it a Netflix movie, makes it two next two Netflix movies, and is now making it two Netflix movies plus two director's cuts. I think Zack Snyder is probably has too much creative freedom at Netflix. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, definitely. Well, it could have also been the situation where like the contract was a while ago and they just, you know, it's 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 a firm one, so they don't really have a choice. Well, I mean, this is another like a weird thing about Netflix, right? And to bring this back to to these four shorts, uh I don't know about you, I had to dig to find them. I'd actually like search them by title. To, yes, to I had to. I uh, they yeah, I didn't come up in the top ten or anything like that, which was too bad. Um, yeah. I remember like as they released, like the day one released, it would be presented. But other than that, yeah, I had to, I had to dig deep, especially to find um the uh, not the swan, but the um the rat catcher. The I, rat I catcher, was the most hidden. Yeah, interesting. But, but I found uh, it. Yeah, I it, they, were, they were actually pretty because it came recommended after you after I watched the first one, so it it was pretty easy. And, but if you type in Royal Doll two, uh, at least on like the TV one, um, a section comes up Royal Doll films. But, oh, uh, does it? Uh, yeah, yeah, but even that you got to sift through because there's Matilda too. Like it's <laughs> not just the Royal Doll. It's not sorry. It's not just the Wes Anderson ones. But you know, I I wouldn't have even thought of that because I have such rotten luck looking. Um, like searching by genre. Oh, I know, I know. On Netflix, that's I mean, it's part of the user interface of it. Um, Matt Goldberg, who was a, a Collider writer a couple of years ago, he has a newsletter now called Commentary Track. Um, he had a really interesting one this weekend where he's talk. Where I think the title of it was "If Netflix Doesn't Care, Why Should You?" Which yeah. seems to sum up this uh, this this uh, quartet of films. Um, you know, you'd think, hey, we have new Wes Anderson material. Wes Anderson has a built-in audience. Wes Anderson has a, a certain aesthetic that that appeals to people. Um, why, you know, this should be like p- plastered all over our our landing page or our front page or whatever. And it's mm. it's it's like, no, you have to, you have to, and also they're not organized in any particular way. I don't know if this is the fault of Netflix or or the fault of Wes Anderson. Um, but you know, you, you don't, you're not given like any particular order in which to watch them in. No. And I don't know if, um, like it being a Royal doll is presented heavily enough, but it doesn't mm-hmm. like, I, I would assume it should say Royal doll bracket, uh, the wonderful story of Henry sugar or something, but, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't. So that's not going to help. Did you, did you start off with the wonderful story of Henry sugar? I did, yeah. It's the longest, so I chose mm-hmm. it, and it's like the most presented. Mm-hmm. Because I started off with the Swan, because for like the, just the swan, way I, I like the Swan, just the way my weekend was, I was just like I'll get like the I'll get the a couple of the short, really short ones out of the way because it's the the Henry Sugar one's like thirty seven, thirty eight minutes, and then the others are like seventeen, eighteen minutes. So it's like I'll get a couple of the short ones out of the way. Yep. And yep. <laughs> what I didn't realize. Until the wonderful world of Henry Sugar is that because uh, he pops up in the other shorts as Roald Dahl is that mm-hmm. Ray Fiennes is playing Roald Dahl. Um, you don't really come to that understanding until 
Henry or, or unless you start with Henry Sugar first. <laughs> yeah, which I did. So like I I, I got it. Um, I thought Ralph Fiennes. I thought he did a great job as Royal Doll. I, I, he's exactly who I would uh, expect visually too, which is not a necessity, but uh, doesn't hurt. <laughs> um, well, let's talk a bit about these four films. They're based on short stories by Roald Dahl, who people may know from uh, Matilda, as you said. Also, Willy, uh, not Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's what the movie was called. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, Wes Anderson has once previously adapted a Roald Dahl film. He did the Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was a stop-motion animation film that I think was 09, I want to say. 2009, 2010. Um, oh, Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, it was after Darjeeling. I and think. before the tens. Yeah, it was before the tens. I yeah, oh nine, oh nine. Okay, all right. Well, we, we got there eventually. Um, it stars Benedict Cumberbatch, and it's a small cast who mostly pops up in all the the films. Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Ray Fiennes, Rupert Friend, Dev Patel, Ben Kingsley, and uh, Richard Iodai, who people may know from. Um, the IT crowd, especially. Interesting, Aodai and Cumberbatch, I think Dev Patel too, are both, are they're all kind of noobs to the Wes Anderson, um, the wonderful world of Wes Anderson. Has Dev Patel been in an Anderson thing? I think he's maybe been in one, but not like as heavy as he is in this. Um, mm. Yeah, hmm. honestly, it might have been his first. I really, I, I don't know. It looks like it was his first, which is yeah. I'm looking out too. I think it was, but oh, I mean, on him. But he fits, yeah. he fits so well into it that I just, yeah, I'm like, oh, I must have, I must have missed him, and you know, I mean, one of the more recent ones. That is, that is true. It's like I, I could have swore Cumberbatch was like a voice in Isle of Dogs or something, but he wasn't. Um, so a first for him too. Wow. Yeah, and and Richard Iote, um, because he just has like that look. I mean, he looks like he walked out of a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I think he was he was already in some, was he not? No, I I I I looked. Wonderful story of Henry Sugar as his first Wes Anderson credit. Who was it? Asteroid City. I I I looking back at it, I'm picturing Richard. I, I picture these people in it. They, they fit so well. Into, That's a great uh, point. That's a great point. Wes Anderson world. Interesting. Hold on, let's see where's. Yeah, it's because there are so many people in Asteroid City, right? Mm-hmm. Like Rupert Friend was in Asteroid City. Yeah, they're all British, so maybe it was just harder to to nab them, or they, it, they yeah, it was more it was a London our tours they wanted to to try and nab first. You know what? We're confusing uh, Richard Aoi with Tony Rivolori. Uh, well, why. I don't know. If the, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> maybe that's where the confusion's coming from. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we'll start with the wonderful story of henry sugar which um as we said is the longest um he could have like he could have added 15 minutes and like called it a feature right so well you know you know what it is um you know what the what the cutoff for short film is like the time like that separates um, being a short and a and a feature length film 80 minutes it's 40 minutes oh so it's you could technically call it a feature no well I, I guess it's, he, he titled it as a short, so it's a short. Yeah, it's a, it's a short. It just falls slightly inside the, sh- the short. So I've heard some people say, like, if, if wondering if maybe Wes Anderson was playing, like, a, I can win an Oscar to Mark 
kind of game. Yeah, um, true. Because true. <laughs> he funny. he wasn't nominated for the one previous to Asteroid City. Um, wait, which one did he do before Asteroid what? City? Oh, French Dispatch. Yeah, there was no Oscar noms for French Dispatch, so he may be. Yeah, not even like I was surprised uh, it didn't get set design or anything at all. And yeah. I, 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 Asteroid City might still get a nom, right? Maybe it came out at a time where Asteroid City came out this year. So I mean, that's another reason to talk about this because you know Wes Anderson being so precise and persnickety and and exacting in his filmmaking to get like two Wes Anderson projects in the same year is like really incredibly um, rare. Like he really yeah. had his stuff together if he's putting out two films in a year. Yeah, or oh, two yeah, film projects, right or he's got too much time. That's, you know. <laughs> he, he was. I, it, it benefits us. So that's okay. He was very. He was. He was very busy during the pandemic. Maybe all that time yeah. indoors. He was just creating little worlds. Um, but yeah, I also just love he's American. But it's like everybody is British in it. Royal Doll. It's just it's so British. And also he's like it's, a, a little. Hipster Austonian. There's also all these like little like Indian influences too. Yeah, that's what are your thoughts on that? That's is that okay? Like he's not Indian, (laughs) and like you know, Mm. like I Dave Dev Patel, I guess is like Indian. He's British though. It wasn't even so. Yeah, I I I don't know, but I guess he's just like it's a homage to it. It's not like a, a blast on. Well, he's, he's also taking from from the world all, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we have we've had to adapt many books in in different ways than there originally. But um, I guess it does. The thing is with Henry Sugar, mm-hmm. it's like a heavy. It's a heavy part of it. You know, he's a rich guy, and it's his his idol is over there, and it seems to kind of end with him finding his his peace, his place in in India. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, well, I guess it's okay. I also I, think, I found it funny because I was thinking, is that good? It's like so much Indian. And then production company is Indian Paintbrush. So I was like, oh, okay. It's like all the animation is from an Indian company, but that's an American company and it's owned by a like American. A white yeah. American. So I, I, I don't know. But it's well, homage to the culture. It's not like teasing the religion or anything. So I don't Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is kind of incidental. I think also a lot of it is him sort of reaching back to or uh, Roald Dahl's background, which you know, Roald Dahl was as a as an RAF pilot was stationed all over Africa and the Middle East. And... Oh, he had he spent yeah, and a lot of time in India too. So no, yeah. that's true. I, yeah, I guess Wes Anderson his choice was to stick it to um as original as it can be, which yeah, which is good. And I could be wrong. I mean, I I don't think this is like it's not like Darjeeling, where they're they're kind of like piggybacking on you know these like. Which, which is about like three American brothers who are, you know, yeah, so, yeah. so far up their own asses that they're trying to find some sense of spiritual spirituality traveling through India. No, and um, it's not like that at all. It's literally yeah. just like presented visually and like a yeah. bit of the cultural elements for uh, what um, Henry Sugar pursues. But no, no, other than that, it's not. Well, the Henry Sugar thing, I mean, it, it's not sort of like culturally specific because it's um, he, he finds this random self-published book that describes this uh, uh this person um played by ben kingsley named imdad khan who you know manages to gift himself with these like supernatural psychic powers and and uh henry sugar 
follows in his example. And, and, you know, I guess maybe this is a bit of cultural backpacking, but, you know, through Henry Sugar's experiences, he becomes a a better person that (laughs) essentially um, is uh, doing mentalism uh, to rip off casinos and then donate the proceeds to charity, Um, which he he does it well. I love the sequence in it where you have Cumberbatch like in different disguises doing different voices. I thought that was really funny. That was a really great use of that character. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, there's even a couple times where I didn't fully notice it at first. <laughs> I was like, "Yo, Benedict Cumberbatch the lead. Why am I not seeing him?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, right. Jeez, that's, that's he's in disguise." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Yeah, uh, and it was, I just I would say the story too is fun. It's like a whole look at his life you see till. Till the end <clears throat> and it's also it's implied that it's like a real like kind of telling mm. and and that i think adds some wonder is there a possibility it, it is true because you Based said on a true story yeah because like that's or is that just a part of the story i think, I think it's just, it's just think, like a part of the story i think it's yeah it's pure hokum okay <laughs> he's, been to, he's been to india maybe slightly based on a real individual it uh, could be. I don't know. Um, Roald Dahl. It's the that is a, the little the, the name is taken right from the story. The well, and story I just, of sugar. I just love how for this one, if that's like a part of it too. They they mm. keep saying he's real. They just you know Roald Dahl changed the name so people wouldn't know. Now, I think mm. in a lot of these stories um, from this collection, because the Swan is from the the, the same collection. It, it's about sort of like supernatural doings in in these sort of like moments of like utter ordinariness because the whole thing is like henry sugar is just he's rich he doesn't have to work um yeah he just stumbles upon a report from yeah the only thing he's worried about yeah and that's i mean it's an interesting thing leading into that scene where he finds the book where he walks into the library and and the narration's like I can't remember the exact wording in the narration, but it's like, oh, he's in a library, but he like he sees no value in books, and he finds the one book that actually doesn't bring him the the mercurial value that he wants. It brings him um, like a genuine spiritual value. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's oh, it's a, it's a beautiful tale. Yeah, but I think that that's kind of one of the this and the Swan. It's just like finding these like sort of magical moments in the ordinary. Um, the Swan, uh, which was the first one I watched, um, features. Also, it also features heavily Rupert Freend. Um, I can't remember the boy's name in it. Now that I'm talking about it. <laughs> Peter Peter Watson, he, he only says Peter Watson like 300 times. I know <laughs> but uh, Peter Watson is this kid who's you know out birding. And he's uh, swarmed by a couple of bullies who, you know, chase him around. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually they chase him up a tree, and at which point he becomes a, a swan himself and flies over the village and um, lands in his in his back in his yard. Um, that's what it's about. Uh, what I find interesting is, um, you know, there's this kind of, uh, I guess, conceit in this very similar to asteroid city where it's like it's a film it's also a play so you see the stage hands come out and hand people props or putting people on their marks what and it, that's a sort of common thread in all of these but i yeah, noticed that 
like it seemed like the Swan especially was where Wes Anderson was kind of going crazy with that conceit. Yeah, it's the first time where I noticed it, where it definitely appears to a heavier level than the other one. Um, I'm curious if it's just like, like there's the I know it's not even like heavily related to it, but there's the I think Russian or Ukrainian classical like Swan play, right? So mm. when we think of Swans now, it's it's got to be in theater. If it's not in theater, it's not. <laughs> That's not my swan, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I think I, I think it worked for it. Uh, it was also fun seeing Rupert Friend as uh, like the main guy. I haven't seen him in uh, as much, at least not to the same level as you know, like Benedict Cumberbatch or something. And uh, I think he did. I think he did a great job. He was a good uh, good narrator. Yeah, I like I liked him a lot in this. Um, you know, he's kind of. Um he's kind of like got that classical leading man kind of thing, but he also seems very at home in, um, yeah. it being like a, 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 a like a, a bit player in, in these like wonderful worlds of Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he does. He does. Um, but yeah, he was good. Uh, he plays the, I think he does say at one point, he's the adult Peter Watson. Who's all, again, this adds another whole layer to it where it's like, He's looking back at a thing that happened to him um, in a play that's also a film. Yeah. Um, and and you know, there's there's a little, uh, there's a boy there who I guess is, is 11 or 12, but who's meant to sort of signify the the Peter Watson in this story. Yeah, um, he always, Wes Anderson always seems to have a little, a little kid. Um, I, I think also it's just always like that's, they they they're at the peak of imagination right like the yeah. way this film is presented is how they're seeing it at least i, think, I always think that's why he he includes them like that and like i'll probably relation too to the way his mind worked when he was a kid and envisioned a lot of this wonder it's a yeah it's a recurring element like moonrise kingdom i'm thinking about i'm also thinking about the uh what was the kid's name in rushmore who was like max fisher's sidekick yeah well and then in moonrise kingdom he took it a step further yeah yeah, so it's it's sort of a recurring thing. It's like you're you know young person who's ten, eleven, twelve on the cusp of you know teenage being a teenager and being an adult and sort of like losing those childhood things and being confronted with like more adult worries. It's yeah, it's it's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we get the Swan, and then um, I watched the Rat Catcher after that one. Rat Catcher is the hardest tree to find. But I did yeah. eventually. I eventually watched it. So you watched it last. Um, yeah, I watched yeah. it right after Swan, and of course, Ratcatcher also heavily features Rupert Green too. Um, as a, <laughs> I guess it's a three-hander narrative. Well, maybe not a three-hander narrative. It's it's um, Richard Iote as uh, as like a journalist, which you yeah. know, callbacks of French Dispatch. Is you know, here's a guy sitting in a European village with a typewriter. Um, <laughs> I I did I didn't process that. Yeah. <laughs> But then that's Ray Fiennes again as the rat catcher. He's like this. He's kind of the antithesis of what of he's a, a Wes Anderson he's a rat, rat man. He, he's a rat man. He's yeah. yeah. He's he, and you know he's not. He's unrefined. He's uncouth. It's, yeah. It's like, but he's he's rat man. But he's trying to find. He's trying to catch them. Do you think it's a, like a, a metaphor or theme or whatever? He's like he's trying to. The rat man's trying to find himself. Or, like, <laughs> I, 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 that's how I viewed it. I don't know. It was fun. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's also like, he's kind of like an interloper on this like idyllic scene. Yeah. Um, 
I really liked its visuals. I would say the swans were probably my favorite, but that's just because I'm I'm a marsh guy. I like marsh. I like swan environments. Mm. But um, the rat catcher really did. It, it caught me. I, um, in particular, the one uh, big like straw straw house. Oh, yeah. That looks like uh, yeah. a muffin. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a muffin. I thought that was really that was really wonderful. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. I found that design funny. Um, the other funny thing to this is like the use of like invisible props like we're in dogville or something where mm-hmm. he he takes the rat and the ferret out of his pocket and he's like holding you know just empty air yeah and then it escalates because there's another scene where he pulls out a rat and it's like a little rat statue or something and then that becomes like a, a stop motion rat mm-hmm. at one Which, point i'm really glad he still uh uses stop motion um, especially because, like, everybody, I think, I don't think there's anybody who's watching these that hasn't seen his Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, I think that's one of his biggest movies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it just makes it feel like it's it's part of that that world, which is, you know, the case. All Royal Dolls have a similar feel, and I'm glad that Wes Anderson has uh, maintained that in his own way through his Wes Anderson adaptations. I think that's... Like, the little, little Rat was, was perfect. That's how I want to see... A royal doll animal, some stop motion, a little, I guess, like actually handmade, you know? I had that thought as well. I, I, you know, and I'm not sure how much of it is uh, Anderson sort of being, I guess, strategic. It's like, is there any way, like, this is going to be packaged one day with Mr. Fox, which I think is uh, a 20th century Fox thing, which is makes it a Disney thing. Oh, <laughs> true, yeah. So it's like, is, is he thinking about like the criteria? The, one of these days, there's going to be the criterion of all my. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. My he knows all it. He knows it. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, uh, he and what are all the he, bottle rockets a criterion? I know because I have it. I have the Rushmore. Yeah, uh, I've seen here, criterion. Seen uh, I even Darjeeling Limited now is is considered one. It might be. I'd have to double check, but I know Royal Tannenbaum's is. I think Moonrise Kingdom is. Uh, and that there's been another recent, another one of the more recent. I can't, I'm not sure if it's French Dispatch or what it's something else, but like he has at least four or five. Like, yeah, yeah. Darjeeling Limited is is one of them. Grand Budapest, is it a Moonrise Kingdom, Fantastic Grand Fox, Budapest. Yeah, and then Life Aquatic. Life Aquatic made it, and then yeah, it's... the other ones you said. Yes, Grand Budapest is a. You're right. Is is a, a criterion. Um, Asteroid City is probably going to be one in the next couple of years. Oh, too. one day, yeah, yeah. Does Criterion have like a? Does it have to be a certain amount of years? I think it used to be, but I don't think they do that anymore. No, especially when it's from like an tour who like you're already aware of of the content because they've been pretty quick like turning over the the net some of the Netflix ones like Irishman and Roma. So yeah, well, it's also. Just- become like a like a streaming service itself it's the more it has the more it can um well that's true too can make oh. although it's still i'm not i'm not bashing criteria to that because they still do make sure it's like something of a criterion yeah. quality it's still yeah no it's still um curated um mm-hmm. which which i appreciate curation going back to our discussion 20 minutes ago about netflix like, like talk about somewhere that needs some freaking curation yeah. um <laughs> i would say rat rat catcher Regarding mm. the Ralph Fiennes, I would say my favorite of his performance. It's great seeing him as Royal Doll, but I liked for this one he was a distinct. I liked, yeah, I liked Ratchcatcher because it has this like completely like gross figure 
in it in, in, yeah. in a Wes Anderson world which like in like skews grossness in favor of like eccentricity and and perfection um I, I guess that leaves us poison which is like probably the closest that Wes Anderson's ever done to like a horror movie <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one where I was like, this is definitely not for kids. Like, I'm glad I missed out on this one mm. as a young Um, But I, I thought it was really good. It was... It was good. I liked it. Yes. I, I wouldn't say it was my favorite, but, like, maybe even, like, critically it was, like, the best. I, at least the relationship with Aoid, or, sorry, Dip Patel and yeah. uh, Harry, Um, even though Harry doesn't speak much, that, that adds some... That makes it almost more impressive. Uh, because you can tell his emotions is his tension with with Woods <laughs> Dev Patel's. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I, I really liked um uh, Ben Kinsley as the uh, Doctor Gander Bay. I thought he was, uh, <laughs> which is a great name. <laughs> yeah, and I would say it was one of his heavier roles of the Wes Anderson ones. At least it stood out to me in it, and I I, I liked it. <laughs> what what I what I liked about it is, um, and he's. The thing is, I wasn't even like thinking like he's Indian or at least like British Indian, and like mm-hmm. he played Gandhi, so I guess mm-hmm. I guess if he's the lead, it's okay to to incorporate some some Indian elements for sure. So I I think I think that's that's one of the reasons. I mean, Ben Kingsley's also a um a Wes Anderson player, so mm-hmm. um but yeah, I, I, what I liked about it is this this idea of like there, there's a snake on top of him, he's he's asleep. Um, and the snake comes in and lays on top of him. He can't move because if he moves, like he even startles the snake, the snake bites and it's so venomous, it'll kill him mm-hmm. almost immediately. And so it's this whole thing. It's like, well, how do we like get the snake and, and um, like get this guy, Harry, get him out of bed. And um, <laughs> what I like is <laughs> they, after this, like where, where they chloroform the snake and they, they do all this and, um, you're forced to wonder if the snake was even there to begin with, which yeah, or he's just got like PTSD or something like that. <laughs> yeah, or, or or the doctors have, have done something that's gone awry. Yeah, it, it's 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 wonderful sort of metaphor, and again, I, I think this also comes a bit from Roald Dahl's war experiences, where oh, you right. know, the, the, it's not yeah. just about like getting shot by the villains when you go to a different country. Um, there can be like parts of the nature that can just be, you know, that you're yeah. not aware of and that like damage you, right? Like a lot of people though, and they went to Vietnam, there was like a lot of killer animals in the jungles that like they're just not used to in America, right? They're not or used just, to the yeah, like just the poisonous heat. snakes as much in, in England. So it, I mean, it, how many yeah, betrayal of that? How many people in World War One were taken off the line because of like trench foot? Just like having yeah. your feet in mud for 24 hours a day. It's... Yeah, exactly. No, it's a great, a great look at that. Um, yeah. And also, like, uh, it shows the wonder of India too. How 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 different it is, you know. There's these these beasts, these these wildlands out in the poisonous the snakes, jungle, right? yeah. The, the snakes. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It's it was. I thought I thought that was that that seemed to be the one where he was really sort of taking his style and his, um, I guess his Wes Andersonness out for a spin because again, horror is kind of anathema to the Anderson aesthetic. Like he's not, he's not like a, no, that's not for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to do a ranking? To, it'd be fun to see him try. It would be. Oh fun yeah. To see I'll, do, I'll do a ranking. Do you want yeah. to uh, go first? No, you, you seem to be pretty confident. I'm, I'll let you go first. Okay. So even though, uh, I would say it's like maybe critically the best, um, 
my favorite was the rat catcher uh ralph fines just just like pulled me in mm. um to it uh and then after that i wouldn't say it was the best one so number two for me would be the swan mm. um i just always like the swan tail and i really like as i said marshes and there's you know it's set in a marsh <laughs> it's, it's just visually <laughs> i like i like the swampy trees and everything um and uh i, I like i'm not a homeland guy um <laughs> <laughs> so like it's nice seeing Rupert Friend like it's I enjoy him but like I don't watch his other work so it was nice seeing him as the central in it mm. um and then after that uh Poison as we were just discussing mm. um I think it was uh one of the best like back and forth um I guess like a three-way of, of Dev Patel Benedict and Ben Kinsley mm. um and had the most reality to it which mm. is not common with Wes Anderson so mm. I found very impressive Mm-hmm. Um and then my least favorite would be the um uh the other one the 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 Benedict <laughs> Henry Sugar the wonderful story of Henry Sugar see mm-hmm. I forgot it his name <laughs> I it was I, I think it was, I think it was a little or his reported name what's his actual name that's Max, right Max Engelman um that's and I right. thought the story was cool. I don't know if it needed to be as long, and I found that the story was way too heavy narration. So, mm. like, there's a lot of Benedict Cumberbatch kind of talking in the camera, as opposed to just kind of getting more into the the world. Um, but like, the point of the story too is like it's Henry Sugar's world, so I get it. And I'm going by like personal, like critically, I don't think it was the worst. Maybe the mm. Swan, but this one for me was was the worst. It just was a bit too long and a bit too a bit too dull. Was like yeah. Cumberbatch just kind of looking at the screen and talking, and like I liked it, but not <laughs> to that extent. But it was still good. I want to say it's my least favorite of the four, but I'm still glad I watched it. It was still of a high quality. Yeah, I mean these are these are all kind of very interesting and and unique and fun in their own ways. But yeah, I I, I go with Poison first just because it's it feels like a, like a walk on the wild side for Anderson, yeah. and then I go with Ratcatcher because uh, like I think all three of those uh, actors, Ray Fiennes, Rupert Friend, and uh, and io uh worked really well together uh and then i put henry sugar third um I, I i agree with a lot of your comment about that it, it does seem a bit overly long and indulgent and then i put the swan last it's because i think i it's very simplistic well it's simplistic but it, you know it, it still goes on for 17 minutes as you're watching rupert friend walk up and down several different corn stacks or hay fields it's exactly it's a little bizarre Mm -hmm. um no i would say critic i just like i love his visuals but i would say critically it's yeah the worst uh yeah so that that's um you can probably start with the wonderful story of henry sugar um although i that that helps me i definitely got more of the references than you did for your first yeah if i were to do it all again i would start with the wonderful story Mm -hmm. of henry sugar and so that's a good place to start um so if you search that on netflix it'll probably be recommended the other three so um there you go all right we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come right back with uh we're gonna equalize some stuff with the equalizer mm-hmm. three you're listening to end credits here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca Guelph campus and community radio
to be in another people's business. I'm really beginning to like this place and the people. I'm starting to believe from the bottom of my heart that this is where I'm supposed to be. So, whatever it is that you and your friends do, please do it somewhere else. You warning me? I'm preparing you. I got real got this though. It's just stop it, but I'm not sympathetic. Is that a Timex? No. It's a <laughs> okay, that was a clip from Equalizer 3. It is a new film from Anton Fuqua, and it stars Denzel Washington, Dakota Fanning, Eugenio Mastrandrea, Remo Garon, Andrea Scarduzio, Andrea Dodero, and David Denman. Um, the most American name in this lineup. Um, <laughs> so this is the third part, or I guess it's not really a part, it's the third entry in the Equalizer franchise that was originated by Anton Fuqua and Denzel Washington, I think 2013, 2014 is when the first one came out. Yeah, yeah, right before end credits started. So I don't think we were able to, to do it. No, we did do Equalizer 2, though. Darn right. Which was a lot of fun. Um, well, let's start here. Uh, where does Equalizer 3 sit in the Equalizer canon for you, Peter? Um, I would I would say second. I would say first, mm. and then Equalizer 3, and then the second one. Yeah. I, I What I really enjoyed about the Equalizer 3 in comparison is it was um, it was like a standalone. It, it was a completely different map, um, a very different story, other than like, you know, the head villain had some rough, you know, he's he's related to the first two. But um, you know, Dakota <laughs> Fanning, it was it was fresh. Uh, and I really I enjoyed that. And it's just the car cinematography, or at least not even the car, just like the the roads, the beautiful atmosphere was just mm. a lot better. Um mm -hmm beautiful place it was set uh also it added like a pinch more depth or at least enjoyable qualities to the side characters not mm -hmm. even not even necessarily drew barrymore but like the tertiary characters like the the other people in the little village she was from you mean Dakota uh, Fanning? yeah uh, no no but like no who did i say drew barrymore oh i wish drew barrymore was that sweet <laughs> <laughs> but no Dakota Fanning was great in it too um but like I i'm talking about like uh Emma and you know just like the the citizens that he knew yeah. right that that the end he he does he just starts dancing with them it's I, I like that there was there was a lot more warmth to Equalizer three but still enough of that of that blood and action it's a slow burn which I I was really caught off guard by um I'd seen the trailer but the trailer doesn't really betray anything except it's going to be some action stuff but like. There are no. long stretches in this movie where there are no action. Where you just see Denzel Washington walking around town, like having a coffee and going to the to butcher shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm okay with that. That's what I mean. It adds uh, depth to the environment, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was also a weird way to show, like, there's no way you can get fully over a death, like his daughter and everything, but. Um, you 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 can live a life after yeah like he has found of he'll never forget a parent would never forget mm. but in some way he's moved on like he's in a new chapter 
Yeah. And I think Equalizer 3 presented that wonderfully. Yeah, it's I was reading a review of it. Um and Yeah, and some, I actually didn't I rarely I didn't check the reviews for oh it's good, it's good. Yeah. No, five. it's gotten good reviews, but I did like this one line where it's like um Washington meaning Denzel Washington makes it all seem like a movie star enjoying a midlife Dolce Vita moment, which is <laughs> yeah, I think like I think it's him overcoming it though. Like I think it's 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 the first two was his midlife crisis, and this is him. He's found his new path. That's interesting. Yeah, um, well, I mean, at the very end, at least of this film, I think it's like the conclusion for his midlife crisis. Yeah, no, I that that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, midlife is also played, isn't Denzel? How old is Denzel? Good question. Is he like? I thought he was like late fifties. He's 68. He's 68. <laughs> he's, 68? he's three three quarter life crisis. But yeah, I understand. Like he, turn, I understand. he turns, yeah, he turns uh, 68, uh, or he turns 69, I guess at the yeah yeah the end of the year. Um, I mean, yeah, he's. I mean, definitely. No, see, I didn't think middle age, midlife. I always just like in relation to to who he's who he's lost. Yeah, you know, he's obvi- I mean, obviously, this is the you sort of learn in the film that he's the first film that he's mourning his wife and he's kind of on his own and he's trying mm-hmm. to reconcile his past as this sort of well not gun for hire but that he was you know a, a army man and a, an intelligence operative and now he's like living this quiet life at the home depot and <laughs> yeah. um but you know, i yeah i what i liked is that this film does leave a lot of time to sort of just like let the character kind of languish to, to let him sort of appreciate the town. Like some, so often in these movies, it's, it's, it's like so chock full of action. You don't really fully understand what it is that the main character is pretending or what they think they're protecting. And, you know, you, you get a lot of these like sort of beautiful sweeping shots of this like gorgeous coastal Italy town yes. and Robert Richardson cinematography, by the way, um, I'm, you know that's that's a big that's a powerful piece of cinematography manpower to bring out for the Equalizer three. Well, but um, I, <laughs> what I liked about it too is because obviously we have the Mission Impossible's, we have the James Bonds, and there's a lot mm. of overseas. But a lot of the time is really quick car races, whereas in this yeah. one he's like walking around strolling, and it just adds more uh, breath well, to. Well, that's to the, the thing. It's like we've had a lot of like movies, like action movies, set in like the Rome area this year. Um, you know, Fast X, Mission Impossible. Um, I, I mean, they did shoot in Rome for for those scenes of Mission Impossible, but like Fast X, it 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 goes by so quick. They could have been shooting like anywhere, and it, they just put up a title card and it says Rome, and you just go with it. But yeah, where it's like the whole setting here. Yeah, it, it, and that's I think that's people, we see him strolling around, and I think that's to the advantage, like to sort of like get out of Boston. It's like how much you know, sort of blue collar crime can there be in Boston yeah. for him to equalize. Um, yeah. So I, I like that. Um, I do think we sort of fall short on the villains in this one. Like, we yeah, got, he's we okay. get Martin. Yeah. We get Martin Sussex in um, the first one. And he's just such like an oily sort of like slime ball Russian villain that he's, <laughs> you, you love watching <laughs> Denzel shoot him full of nails at the end yeah and then, you, then you get pedro pascal and number two and like yeah number two is is kind of weaker than this but you do get pedro pa- yeah you do get pedro as a villain which is really neat um but yeah like the the, the 
the guys and the the two the brothers in this I I, I thought were like sort of the weakest part. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, it's not it's, it's not fully. Sorry, go ahead. In, um, it's similar in in Breaking Bad. I find the the two uh, brother villains are mm. um, some of the lesser. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's just like <laughs> if you. I uh, and I don't think well, you might have a brother. I think you just have a sister. Or maybe like if, I have sisters. If, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I don't have a brother either. So maybe there's you know some kind of element of it like attachment you really feel when you like do yourself. I guess I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't love them so much. I thought they were okay. Like I thought verbally, like I was always scared that they were gonna like kill somebody, and they did kill people. But it was nothing special, like um, the individual you said for the first one, or even uh, Pascal. Yeah, it just like they didn't really have any personality. They were just like were bad guys doing bad stuff, and um... yeah, I, I the <laughs> only thing beneficial about that for this is in some other ones, uh, like Pascal, he's kind of like you kind of sort of fall in love with the villains or like you you like them you know whereas in this like you don't you're you're totally okay that they just get slammed and it makes it so you even enjoy the one scene where they get embarrassed they they get kind of shamed from the villagers and uh, not villagers it's sicily but it's a small suburb of this but anyways the the sicilians um you know they kind of help out Denzel and uh, oh this the Spider-Man moment you mess with one of us you yeah, mess with all of us yeah yeah and that just kind of like makes them look like a, a dweeb you know so um, yeah they're they're fun like villains in that sense they're just not enjoyable by themselves they're yeah they make, every, they make everybody else look awesome yeah so that's, that's beneficial yeah it just you know the, the the previous two movies have sort of been even like David Harbour in the first one where he's like a corrupt cop or he's, he's like, he's not really bad. He's just like super corrupt, but he's always swearing at people and, and horrid, <laughs> horrible Boston accent that it's amusing. But um, yeah, it, it just, that, that's kind of the weakest part to me is mm-hmm. that he's not really given like a really satisfying, like scenery chewing villain. They're just like typical gangsters who want to be businessmen and, that's boring <laughs> oh yeah no for sure i i like i said it's my second favorite but it's not it's first is still the best absolutely mm-hmm. um what i what i did respect about this though um even though there's at least by ratio to the minutes mm. less violence mm. it still feels like equalizer three it is not similar to it's a good example spiral the saw spinoff it's just like a detective film it's not a saw film whereas this has a different environment mm-hmm. um a slightly different feel but that feel as a whole is still equalizer it's still the same guy he's still you know robert mccall uh because that and it's be also risk. the shortest be risky one. when location changes but yeah, yeah it didn't it didn't feel like it didn't feel like the shortest it went by pretty good for me um I didn't see it in theaters. You saw it in theaters, right? I saw it in theater, yeah. Yes, I saw it in the new. Uh, I forget what it's called. They just released it on PlayStation's the. Oh yeah, Sony streaming. And Sony Star, yeah. Yeah, so I got the IMAX version on that, and it was it was quite good. But I was able to take a bath and break, so I could see if it was maybe a bit, <laughs> a bit too long, too long for you. No, it wasn't but. too long at all. It went it went by in a flash. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's, even it's... though there's like long periods where he doesn't fight. Even those yeah. like periods are are interesting, and when he fights it, you know, you forget that it was a bit of a gap. Yeah, and like the fights, I like the the fights themselves were good. Um, I don't know if they were, you know, maybe 
Denzel's sort of feeling his age a bit. I, you know, where it's a lot of it's at night and a lot of it's like from a distance. Um, where it's like something happens off screen. Like there's the fight with the the one crew that comes in and like hassles people in the restaurant, and then like you see a van crash, and <laughs> there's two guys are dead in the van crash, and then uh, he comes in and smashes a bottle of wine against the one guy. It, it, so I don't know if it was like Denzel's like maybe feeling his age a bit, so they kind of like taking it easy on the action scenes but I, um the action that there is in it i thought was like really well done it's, it's yeah, stylish yeah it's stylish but um also you know and this is what happens when you hire somebody like ultra competent like robert richardson you get night scenes where you can actually see what's happening so yes <laughs> why does he use a specific form of camera or well he's just a really good cinematographer he knows like, how to do it yeah yeah he's when you work with scorsese and tarantino and yeah. uh you know ben affleck and you know you you've been around for a while you know how to shoot night scenes so that they don't look gross and yeah <laughs> like there was no light at all um <laughs> so it's you know it helps it helps having someone who knows what they're doing behind the scenes Oh, yeah. And I, I just want to point out, too, even though, like, they are the three of the worst villains, there's still some standouts. There's, because I had totally forgotten about it, but there's the one scene where they, like, are threatening these, like, six-year-olds. With yeah. The gun. Like, they, they hold yeah. up the one and, like, they put a gun. That's, like, that's a good villain, I would say. That's, that's a little, like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> that's just, that sort of, you know, action is just sprinkled throughout. Uh, What do you think of the Man on Fire reunion? Mr. The Dakota Fanning and Denzel Washington Man on Fire reunion. Oh, I thought it was good. <laughs> I, I haven't seen Man on Fire, so I did not view. Okay, did not view it as such. <laughs> yeah, they were in a Tony Scott movie called Man on Fire, um, when, when she was ten. Um... Oh my goodness. Oh, okay. Yeah, this would feel very, very nostalgic for her. <laughs> Whereas Denzel probably views it as like same period in his life. He's older. Right? But... Well, it was like two thousand. I want to say, man. Okay, no, so he'd be, he'd see that would be middle age. That would be him having a middle age. uh, But it's, I mean, it it is interesting um, to have, yeah, (laughs) adult Dakota Fanning as a CIA agent sort of coming in. Honestly, Uh, I thought she did good. I, I didn't even like realize it was her until a bit later in because I'm not a very visual guy. (laughs) Um, But I thought she did, yeah, great job. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. Um, although she's I like a full-on adult in it. She's just an adult. She's just mm-hmm. a CIA worker. She's, yeah, she's a CIA worker B. Um, mm-hmm. Although I, it it was fun sort of having her in it. I I, I find the whole CIA angle in it was a little weak. Like this whole idea that no, these I'm guys not, were well. were like working with Syrian terrorists to distribute drugs so that they could raise money to you know gentrify italy or something like that that whole plot's a little weak but <laughs> no but he i think for i think an equalizer he does kind of respect them I, I don't know but yeah i'm not like a huge huge fan of the ca csi but she was, she was yes. good, she was good. <laughs> cia what did i say see i don't love csi either but yeah cia well, CSI isn't as corrupt as CIA, but well, it's it, it's interesting <laughs> when you see CIA as as good guys in the movie. This is uh, a couple of weeks ago we were watching Wag the Dog for the show we were um, about 
Tim and I were doing about political satires, and it's it's so interesting in that movie where the CIA is the hero who is um, fighting against political corruption. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> It'd be very strange to see in current times. <laughs> or like it's, and then of course the CIA rep in it is William H. Macy, who is like the <laughs> most like nondescript, kind of like non-threatening person who could ever play a CIA agent. But and he he was a CIA agent. Yeah, he was a CIA agent in, in Wag the Dog. He comes in and tells Robert De Niro and Anne Heche to knock it off. Oh my gosh, I would only believe it if it was like I guess a Mulder kind of like CIA job. Although that's FBI. Oh, like the company. Yeah, there's yeah. no CIA. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But no, he's just a regular CIA guy. Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna watch that film. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I will admit, like yeah. I, we're like the same age. Like I grew up with her her media, so like it might be a little biased. Like I'm not a huge CSI guy fan either, and it's not cheaper. <laughs> Sorry, CIA fan, and it's definitely not a requirement in the film either. So if anybody watches it and complains, like I get that. It's fair complaints. Yeah, no, no. Um, uh, you have any? You have any appetite for Equalizer Four? Are you good? I think I'm okay. I like I I raised a pretty great number. This one made mm-hmm. so much, and I would be I like to me him just doing that little dance at the end, like getting into it, like that's a good finale. Like I yeah. I'm okay just visualizing him being happy. Yeah, go um, out on a high I note. Would maybe, yeah. yeah, go out on a high note, and it's also like it has a TV show, so it's not you know it's not going to lose any any money it's still gonna make it you know um, yeah there's still stuff getting equalized yeah yeah so no i feel like they probably will do a four but i three is, is a pretty perfect finale uh i've heard like there's like scuttlebutt about doing like a prequel with like john david washington or michael that, b. Jordan. I, I could handle that that'd be, <laughs> oh yeah michael b jordan that'd be yeah that'd be so funny having his his son do it though that'd be i, I don't know it'd be kind of weird uh, it could be, be interesting. Fun. It'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. No, I. I think I. Yeah. I think I agree with you. I think you know what. What I find interesting about these movies is like they're very solid. They're solidly made. They're middle of the road. They're not perfect, but they're not terrible. Um, no, they're just they're like good. It's just they're just like good sits. They're just like good. Like I'm gonna watch Denzel like hang out with some people and then beat up some other people and then. Well, and if we're just going by like Backway too, um, I I personally like I I really I was like a young kid when it came out, but like I really like King Arthur, you know. Mm. But these films, his old ones, were fun, entertaining. But the Mm. Equalizer ones also have a bit more quality to them, and that's maintained, yeah, in in Equalizer. Well, this one has a lot of quality to it, which I you know it's the 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 score to uh, Marcelo Zarvos, who's not someone I'm familiar with, but like the music in this was like really well, and the cinematography too, yeah, and Rob, like yeah, this is like craft. There's there's a lot of craft here, um, that you know you can enjoy too that it, it's like just really solidly made like people like this was not a throwaway people put time effort and energy into making the best equalizer three mm-hmm. that they could so yeah well it made the made the money back too made that money mm-hmm. all right <laughs> speaking of making that money that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it you can listen to our show again by downloading it every Friday from our website at endcreditsradioshow.com or the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app like Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. Speaking of Spotify, you can find the playlist for the music that you hear on the show 
Just crack open Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can stay connected to us on social media. We're on Facebook and End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. I'll be back here on CFRU Thursday at 5 p.m. for news and politics and open source as well for Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson or check out my news and politics site at wealthpolitico.ca. And Peter, where else can people find you out there on the internet? Uh, Mr. Tarak on YouTube, Twitter, and then uh, Peter West the Salmon on good old Letterboxd. Good old Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM. CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. As for this show, we'll be back next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits, and we will see you then. Thank you.